0: Everyone and welcome to Everyday Linux, episode 173. Rose such a ladder. Recorded December 21st, 2014, and brought to you by Element OP Productions. Element Opie. Com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Linux show that's not about Linux, but about life in the context of Linux. I am your host, Mark, the Sultan of the Soapbox Cockrell. And joining me this week, as always, are your stalwart co-hosts, Chris, the command line godfather, Neves, and Seth, the gooey kid, Anderson. Hello, gentlemen.
1: Hello, sir, and welcome to the debauchery of the Christmas Eve episode.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and welcome back, Chris and all of the other Element OPI faithful. Glad you're back. We took her last week off, so yes. that's to everyone glad you're back.
0: Debauchery? Are you planning on getting drunk?
1: Mm, <laughs> could be.
0: If Chris starts slurring his speech and swearing as the show goes on, you'll understand why.
1: <laughs> well, I also have, uh, I don't know how many bottles of whiskey in the other room being made into caramels, too. So, you know, you have to sample everything before it goes into process, right?
0: i've probably told before about this guy that i used to work with who made rum cakes every year and you could always tell whether you got one of the rum cakes at the beginning of the evening or one of the rum cakes at the end of the evening because he got a little more liberal as as time went on sometimes you'd get one of those like this this will be good in in july this is perfectly (laughs) preserved it's going to be fine
1: so yes that's how my night's going to be um they've, they've Julie started making some of those uh oh about an hour ago, so it's been uh it's been a great afternoon so far. My house smells of caramel. (laughs) Uh,
2: No, uh, Friday at work, um, my boss handed everyone in the department a bottle of wine, and I'm like, you obviously don't know me at all. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) I was like, thank you, and then I opened it up and go. At first I was like, okay, I don't know what this is because, you know, it's just like the name of it and not what it is on the label and so I'm thinking, Is this like maybe grape juice or just like a sparkling cider? And finally I was like, Oh, no, okay, vintage of yeah, okay, it's wine. So you know, I mean it's cool that yeah they did that, but I'm like thinking, What am I gonna do with a bottle of wine? So I'll come up with something. Drink it, my drinking.
1: friend. Yeah.
2: Drink it. I'm I'm I don't drink. Um I'm not like a teetotaler, I've just never drank. And yep. I was going to a don't. friend's
0: house for a party and I thought I would bring a bottle of wine cuz I understand that's what you do. And right. so I'm going to the store and I'm like, I don't know what good wine is. I don't know if I'm bringing, you know, nasty poison Kool-Aid <laughs> or something really good. So I just instead went with another thing. So I I don't drink. Um again, it's not a moral or religious thing. I don't like it. Uh, it tastes nasty, so you know I, I don't know anything about it. I don't understand the culture that is around alcohol, and there is a culture. I mean, at work oh, yeah. we had our Christmas party, and it was at a bar after hours, and you know everybody's all you know drinking and whatever. And uh, this was a while back, but anyway, and I'm like I don't I don't understand what to do here. I don't even know how to deport myself in a bar. I don't I don't know what to do. I don't know how to talk. I'm just going to stand over here at the end of the table and and wave at you
2: yeah that was our (laughs) christmas party there's that's the free bar and so i didn't go this year but last year i went to this bar and got a coke and then i drank on it then i went to the other bar and got a coke and drank on it then i went i was like okay i've been to all the bars and had a coke at each one (laughs) so yay free that works yeah the most recently
0: we've been going to like restaurants and having things, but like my first Christmas party this is my first uh six months on this job uh it was a different manager, a whole different team but anyway uh we're we're at this bar, and I'm like i don't I don't even know i mean I was so out of place anyway, coming from education to the corporate world, it was just another place yeah. where I was out of place
1: um anyway, it, it's amazing how that works um yeah we I had the same thing this because 'cause I'm not a heavy drinker but I do enjoy a good beer or a good bourbon.
0: Um, you see, I don't even this. know what a good, good beer to me is, is an oxymoron. I don't believe there's any such thing as a good beer.
1: Well, you know, I, I've been that way too. For a long time, I couldn't stomach beer. Um, I found a couple of hard apple ciders that I really enjoy and they're close enough to beer that it, it works for me. And then my taste buds are weird because like, a standard Bud Light or Budweiser or Coors Light or whatever turns my stomach, but if I have like a really heavy, th- like syrupy thick stout or a porter, um, I'm I don't have a problem with them. So it's I don't know what it is. I try to get the lighter beers. That's a
0: dark beer. Yep. And didn't I, it was bitter. I don't do bitter. Um. Yeah. So Peter beer face. So maybe In what I'm gonna do is like I did with coffee, right? I didn't like coffee until I dove into it. Maybe I'm going to have to learn to make my own beer so I can make go. a beer that I like.
1: There you go. They make plenty of what, what that would be called craft beer. Yes. If you really want to know the term. And then uh, I know ooh, probably about 14 different people that do that. Yeah,
0: there's there's like where I live, there are two different stores dedicated to craft beer and craft wines. Cause it's, yep. you know, I live with a bunch of rich white people and apparently that's what you do. I don't, I don't know.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, you can't see, you can't go out and buy your alcohol because then people will gossip about you. So you just make it at home. Okay. And, you know, that's,
0: I'm, I've said before, I'm renting a house in a place I could never afford to buy a house. So it's interesting. I'm, I'm surrounded by people who are two levels up on the financial ladder from where I am. And, uh, I don't, I don't know how to, I, I don't know how to interact with these people either. You know, like my kids go to the school. There's other very rich people that go to the school, and like they'll come home. Uh, Julie went to Aspen for spring break. Well, good for Julie. Yeah, no kidding. I've never been to Aspen. Sounds nice. You should become better friends with Julie. <laughs> Maybe next year we can all go to Aspen.
1: There you go. All right. <clears throat> all
0: right, okay, so Merry Christmas. This is our December 24th Christmas Eve episode. We're recording it on the 21st, but uh, it will be released on Christmas Eve. Uh, if you're not a Christmas person, marry whatever your holiday might be. Um, Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, whatever. Um, I I am a Christian. I celebrate Christmas, so I say unto you, Merry Christmas. If that's offensive to you, you probably haven't been listening to this show very long because I offend people <laughs> on a regular basis.
1: And it'll probably, it will change shortly. <laughs> we, we probably will offend you eventually yeah, today. Just give
0: it time. Just give it time. <laughs> so uh, I have done all of my Christmas shopping, mostly through almanopi.com slash Amazon. Yay, Amazon. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. It's amazing how that works. It's like for the last six weeks, every few days, a new little box with a smile on it has showed up at the door. It's awesome. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and it gives you a little smile too, doesn't yeah. it? And to th- know that you don't have to deal with the lines and all that other garbage.
0: I ordered a new case for my phone. Uh, because my old one is just all scratched up. And it, it's a clear case. I like that because you can see the phone through it and I just kind of think that's neat. But the downside of a clear case is it gets all scratched up and it's not clear anymore. Um, right. It's, right. it's like an $8 case. So I don't really care that much about it. And, and the whole idea is for it to get scratched up so that my phone doesn't. So I ordered a new one just because, right? Uh, it wasn't, I wasn't in a hurry or anything, but I'm a Prime member. So I uh, naturally, it, I, I clicked the Prime button. And, uh, sure. like I said, eight eight or nine dollars. And, uh, it arrived today, Sunday afternoon. And I thought, well, I've, I've kind of feel bad about that. I don't want somebody out on a Sunday delivering things, but, uh, you know, it's Christmas season. Guys have hired extra people. And so deliveries are being made on, on Sunday. And I'll feel terrible about it because I'm not the only person. If, if the guy got out and went to work just to deliver my thing, uh, that would make me feel bad. But I'm sure there's lots of other people. In fact, in this little area where we live, UPS, um, Brings little golf carts and drops them off in the subdivisions, and really? so the large truck uh, comes to a central place, and then people drive the golf carts out to the large truck and offload, and then drive the golf carts around the little areas because you can't get the big truck in. And there's huh. you know several hundred thousand people that live within a couple of square miles of here, so I think that's kind of a neat idea. And obviously, yeah, like said, rich white people they uh they buy lots of stuff apparently.
1: Yeah, right. but that's a really cool <laughs> idea, though. That's also I can see that being a great gas saver because yeah. those carts are probably all electric.
0: Uh, propane, I think, but yeah. Oh. Uh, so, well. you know, each, I'm sure it's like this in a lot of subdivisions. Each little area has like a, a pool and a clubhouse. So that's where they park the carts and they just lock them up there and leave them there from 1st of November
2: through Christmas. It's a neat idea. Hmm.
0: Very yeah, that's cool. That's pretty
2: cool. Um, what else Golf carts wouldn't about? work out where I live, but, you know. <laughs> Well, yes. but
1: Seth, you, you live in the, the armpit of the world, don't you? You, you would run <laughs> out of range.
0: It'd be like, I ran out of gas and I haven't made my first delivery yet.
1: Uh, that, that that would be rough.
0: And this time of year you see people in just jeans and t-shirts delivering FedEx packages. You know, they, they're they temp employees, you know, out of their own cars, right? Just pulling up in, right. their, in their Toyota pickup truck. Um, it's not, uh, it's not UPS anymore. Um. <laughs> so Chris, you have you've become a Firefox lover?
1: I've always been a Firefox lover. Um I've been a Firefox lover forever, but I found it was kind of entertaining that on my buddy's computer that I help maintain because he's kind of not this best computer guy in the world. Um his Chrome and Internet Explorer were just riddled with nasty plugins and nas- and all sorts of crazy stuff. I opened up Firefox to go download the newest version of Malware and it was pristine. <laughs> there wasn't, a, there wasn't a thing in it. And I'm like, huh, that doesn't look right. <laughs> it just made me laugh considering, you know, I guess maybe I'm the only one that ever launches Firefox, right. but it, it just made me laugh to open up Firefox and have it completely pristine. And I thought, huh, wonder if anyone else has ever noticed that whenever they've been on a, someone else's computer that say, you know, you're, parents or your friends or whatever that they load up your browser of choice and it's completely clean right well yeah yeah, one is cluttered and one is completely clean yeah it's just one of those moments of okay
0: i carry a usb stick with uh with firefox portable on it because where i work almost everybody uses ie and um Mm -hmm. i hate that and so I, I plug my little stick in and run Firefox so that I can use what I need to use.
1: See, that wouldn't work in my environment. They, they would probably come down and steal your computer away from you.
0: Well, the, the way it works there is once you plug in a USB stick, it, it encrypts it so and becomes uh, – otherwise, it's read-only. So uh, you can read what's on there, but you can't write to it. Otherwise, you can't steal corporate secrets unless you encrypt it. And then if you encrypt it, it can only be – Read from from one of their computers, so it's a it's a mix. They still let you use USB sticks; they just make it three levels harder than it has to be.
1: Yeah, see, there's no USB sticks in my environment at all. Period. um Pretty much, if it clo- if it shows up in Device Manager as a mass storage device, it's not going to work.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I I I'm I shouldn't shouldn't say this, but I have been known to use my phone to install software that I couldn't download on the corporate stuff. <gasps> I download it on my phone, plug it in uh, as a USB device and drag it over and then install it when I couldn't go to the website cause
1: it was blocked. Shame on you.
0: <laughs> and, and by seditious software, I mean things like Greenshot for making snapshots and cat mouse for making my mouse work. Like I want it to, you know, really evil things like that.
1: Oh yes. Yeah. Cause they're the bane of the earth, right?
0: I I just can't believe that nobody's come up with a better I mean Greenshot if you don't know about Greenshot it is the best Windows based screenshot tool ever. Um and nothing comes close to it on Linux or Mac that I know of. Um and it's it's small, it's it's simple, it's you do have to install it to get the full function but you can just run it uh straight out of a USB drive or or straight off a folder if you want to. And I, I don't understand. I've asked my IT guys why? Why is this a problem? I mean you have other tools. I mean, like Control Print Screen will take a screenshot. So obviously, you're not anti screenshot. Why can't I do that? Not approved. And that's, you know, that's just the only answer to everything. Not approved. Compliance. Yeah. It, they'll throw compliance in. Any, any, that's the answer to any question. Compliance. Yep. Compliance with what? Uh, compliance. Compliance with compliance.
2: This, compliance uh, with our lack of education yes. on what your product does. This compliance.
0: conversation is non compliant. I'm leaving now. Compliance.
1: Wow yeah but that's pretty similar to what my environment's like, but we can at least attempt to bring stuff in, yeah and doesn't mean it's gonna happen I mean, it's not, not that the try. guys
0: are are not good at their job, it's just that corporate culture and and i I still chafe at it a little bit,
1: yeah, it's one of those things that it's hard until you get used to it, yeah, and then it's another layer of hard.
0: I mean, don't get me wrong, so I, I I don't mean to be insulting them, actually, I work with some of the smartest, best-at-their-job people I've ever worked with, but the culture is such that there is a list of things that you can do, and a list of things that you can't do. Uh, actually, it's the other way around. There's a list of things you can do, and everything else you can't do. Uh, yes. You know, it's a white listing environment, instead of blacklisting.
1: Right. Which, I guess, is better... Some ways, right. It's but, better,
0: right? It's more secure. It's safer. It's just not easier. And when I yeah. was, when I was a, a network admin, I was, you know, totally freewheeling. I let, uh, eight year olds be local admins on their machines. Um, what? And, That's craziness. Yeah. I, well, I was talking to one of the IT guys at work about that. And, and when I couldn't install a needed piece of software, I needed to install. I had hit, had to have him come in and he couldn't even do it remotely, right? Because it had to be, uh, rebooted and whatever. So he had to come to my desk and enter the, the magic su- secret sauce. And I said, you know, why would you do this when you have the the power of the magic um, re-image? That, that was my thing. You're, right. you're a local admin. You're not a network admin. But you're a local admin. You do whatever you want. I can re-image it in seven minutes remotely from my desk. So why is this right. even an issue? Why, why am I going to spend 45 minutes trying to keep you from doing something when I can re-image in seven minutes?
1: Right. And that's how I felt at my school, too, but... Yeah, corporate life is a whole different duck.
0: I mean, I would expect my tech guys to send me a text message or an email and say, um, we're reimaging your machine in five minutes. Get off of it. I'm fine with that. You have that right. It's your machine. I'm just using it. Right. Um, and that would be better than, you know, I have to send a tech from another office down to your office to enter his password so that you can install a needed piece of software that is required for your job. That's silly.
2: Yeah, and do you have a do you have software that has to run under the user's login instead of just a, a system login? That's how it is where I work, and so we've had we have like a temporary workstation admin group that we'll have to put that person in so we can no. install software for them because if you put in an administrator's password, it loads the thing under the administrator's account and not theirs, and so it doesn't work right. Yep. Awesome uh, software writing practices, and I'm in sure all of this makes
0: perfect sense somewhere down the line. It just doesn't to me. Yeah, I mean it's it's a reaction to something. Uh, corporate corporate entities are never proactive or rarely proactive. Right. I, I didn't. I honestly, I didn't want to turn this into a, a gripe session about my job. It's not about my job. It's about the the mindset of corporate cultures in America more than anything else. Right. Uh, another mindset that bugs me is that I can't use Inbox because I'm a Google app user. Haven't seen it. Yeah. Can't do it. Somebody sent me an invite. Doesn't help me.
1: Yeah, I use it on my phone, and when I decided, you know, punish myself and open Chrome, but uh, it's not in my Firefox now either. So that makes me sad. But it's supposedly it's coming.
0: I actually don't care at all about Inbox. It was just a good intro to Chris's thing. Uh, <laughs> and Seth has a guest. So far, one guest that we know of coming in the new year.
2: Uh, what else? Uh, well, no, um, Cuno which we've talked about them before. They're the teaching programming via the Raspberry Pi and they've sent me my demo kit. So hopefully I will get it in the mail on Monday and then we'll work out a time for them to come on the show and talk about it. Um, I was hoping we could get them in before Christmas, but you know, that just didn't work out with scheduling and everything. So hopefully they will be coming sometime in January or February.
0: Jen Wyke cool. has also. I've spoken with her. She's interested in coming back, so we'll be seeing her in the new year. Um,
2: awesome. I have had a, a few comments, more
0: than a few actually, from people saying that this was probably our most guest-heavy year, and they liked that. So we'll uh, we'll focus on bringing guests in in 2015 because uh, I, apparently people are tired of hearing us talk.
1: <laughs> well, and if that's the case, you know, I'll even say that you know, if you know anybody or can push some buttons of people that you know would be good. People for us to talk to, say something. Let us know. Maybe we can get. Maybe we'll we'll set up times for them. We'll set up a spreadsheet so that people can
2: add their contact info.
0: Yeah. For so some something. reason, uh, Stallman's people aren't returning my calls.
2: I, uh, yeah, they've never responded to me. <laughs> I I don't know why. Uh, who would have thought? I'm pretty sure it's not because
0: they've heard the show. It's just the title. It doesn't say "Every New yeah. new slash Linux. So
2: yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: So, moving on to our listener feedback this week. This week, Rick asks about Chrome on the iPad. He says, "On the most recent show, you mentioned that Firefox would have problems on the iPad since Safari is the only allowed browser, and that Opera basically streams web content to the browser." I've used Chrome on the iPad for years. What are they doing different than Firefox and Opera? Question about an iPad on everyday Linux sounds about right. Looking forward to more (laughs) Linux and non-Linux in 2015, Rick. Um, my uneducated guess of an answer is that Chrome uses the WebKit engine and Safari uses the WebKit engine and Apple hasn't disallowed all other browsers. They've disallowed other engines. So that's what I think it is.
1: That would be my guess as well, Mark. I mean, that, that just makes sense. So I guess I, um, I don't, I guess I don't know this off the top of my head. I can look, but I don't even know if Firefox is in the store for iTunes.
0: Well we we I, did a story last week about they're coming. They're not there yet. Oh.
1: Okay. I or 2 weeks that. ago.
0: Well, I didn't even mention last week the reason we didn't do, do a show. We mentioned it, but I still got people um who apparently listen to the show but don't listen carefully to the show. because uh, they didn't know that we were going to be away. Uh last week uh actually 2 weeks ago was my um uh, 25th the 20th wedding anniversary, not 25. It just feels like 25. No. Uh my 20th wedding anniversary. Um Careful. and so my wife and I went out Um, for a holiday weekend, we just stayed around the Atlanta area. It was a staycation, um, but we went to the uh, Hotel Intercontinental, big fancy, five hundred dollar a night uh, hotel room. I didn't pay five hundred a night, but they have rooms that go for that. Um, That's still ouch with the big, big fancy beds and marble tubs and and valets and and I mean, when you walk through the front door, you got to go past at least seven or eight attendants. All of whom are trying to fall over themselves to help you. Um, which is you know, it was kinda cool. It was we we were kinda like the clampets rolling into Beverly Hills. We rolled <laughs> in my my beat up uh dented two thousand six uh Chevy uh, or or Dodge pickup truck, um, grabbed a uh, a duffel bag and a flowery like something you'd expect to see out of a Mary Poppins bag. Those were our two bags. Carpet um, bag. Yeah. Yep. And uh Literally some like kids toys fell out as we opened the back door and I had to stuff it back in there and then gave the keys to the valet (laughs) and he treated me like a king. But, uh, and then we're like, uh, we don't quite know how this whole newfangled elevator thing works. Can you explain it to us? Um, (laughs) went to a fancy steakhouse and, and, uh, you know, (laughs) where it was so fancy, they cut our meat for us. Um,
2: really <laughs> it was as Ruth, long as they didn't chew it for you no. it's okay uh
0: ruth's chris i don't know if you have ever been there there's they're a chain uh we're very fond yes. of them there's one in dallas that we've been to and, and there's one here interesting here in the atlanta area they're all in an embassy suites so there are i think hmm. four of them here and they're all in an embassy suites hotel so there must be some sort of partnership going on there but we ordered the uh the porterhouse for two it's a, like a two pound steak um and they bring it and set it in the middle of the table and cut it up into big chunks um and the, their thing mm. is they serve it on 1200 degree sizzling plates um covered with butter so the butter is sizzling and you get that nutty smell, smell of brown butter and mm-hmm. i'm just like can you just bring me a cup of brown butter just in a coffee cup <laughs> just fill it up and that'd be awesome um
2: and i might be leaving this show to go eat steak somewhere <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah i'm <laughs> thinking the up. same thing shame on you mark shame on you yeah
2: well
0: if you have to pay what i paid for it you you wouldn't uh but again 20th anniversary you go all out
1: um, and then anyway, what else going on?
0: Next year we'll wave at each other. But anyway, that's why we were gone <laughs> last week. Uh, moving up, Miguel, uh, or probably Miguel, uh, shares his uh, shares an ISP view. Uh, we've Uh-oh. talked about. Um, well several times. We've talked about uh uh paying by the bit and ISPs and that sort of stuff, and so uh Miguel is responding to it. It says howdy's Mark and Seth. In EDL one seventy one, you say they, the ISP, don't want you to plug in a server. I work in an ISP in Portugal and we don't care what the users do with their service. Uh, inside the legal boundaries, of course. Uh, but the facts uh, exist of asymmetric throughputs in the service. Um, and it's about technology because the upstream bandwidth is less than the downstream. Um, and then he offers some technical things to look at. Um, he says, how about, uh, about how, uh, <clears throat> I'm sorry, his English is way better than my Portuguese. I'm assuming they speak Portuguese in Portugal. Uh, <laughs> I could be wrong, Um, but it I'm having to struggle just a little bit. Uh, About how the consumer should pay for the service, in my personal opinion, and a little biased because I work for an ISP, it should be a mix of pay to have a certain service level, uh, such as how much bandwidth you have, and not the quality, uh, which should always be better than good, and what a customer uses. I consider myself a heavy user customer in my home. In my workplace, I listen to music from my home NAS, and I make and receive backups for offline storage, and some peer-to-peer, and in the Last month, I consumed 155 gigabits. In my zone, uh, ex- there exists 240 customers. I'm the 11th in downstream usage. The first has 681 gigabits. 220 customers use less than 100. Wow. And of those 220, more than 100 use less than 10 gigs. And by the way, the first downstream user has the same level of service I have. Now, uh, for, for a moment, put yourself in the ISP's place. Uh, if you must invest a million dollars to buy or upgrade new equipment, that value should be split, uh, in one 240th equal parts, or should the customer which consumes the most pay the biggest slice of that investment? Should, would it not be better for the general consumer if the base package also include, let's say, 200 gigabits, and after that consumption, they start to pay per gigabit? Keep up the good show, and I like the rant about other issues rather than only talk about technology in general and Linux. For me, it's a way to learn how uh, Americans live life. Uh, Tell me next week, and sorry about my English. Once again, your English far outstrips any other language I might
2: speak, so don't apologize for that.
0: Um, So first
2: of all— Go ahead, Seth. Okay, I was going to say, you are comparing a Portugal ISP— with an American ISP. And so you've totally forgot to cut out the bonuses that all the upper level management (laughs) have to get on any purchases. And it just doesn't seem to work well because in America, they accept greed has been a synonym with capitalism. So that's why the honest, fair treatment that you are suggesting customers receive is totally foreign to the American ISP way of life. And so that's how come what you're suggesting, while it is admirable and logical, and is probably a good thing, will never work here.
0: And Miguel, Sorry. you also said that your ISP doesn't care what their customers do with it. Ours do very much. Uh, oftentimes, the agreement you sign says you will not use for business purposes, uh, or you won't uh, use to, for servers, because they offer the exact same service. Let me rephrase that. Repeat that. The exact same service, same bandwidth, same limitations, same requirements for more than double the price to businesses. What's the difference? Yep. You're a business. That's it. It's the only difference. Um, and you get a different price for the exact same service. That may not be the way it is in Portugal, but that is very common here in the U.S.
1: And it drives everyone crazy that wants to run something from their house.
0: Yeah. And, and my thinking about the... Should a million dollars be split 240 ways or should the people who use the most pay the most? I think it should be split 240 ways because it's not my concern as your customer how much something costs for you to implement. You have to figure that out. And if you need to raise my rates, that's fine. But don't raise my rates as an individual. Make the business decision that is right for your business Uh, because all 240 people do get the benefit of that. The person who uses more doesn't get a bigger benefit. His service goes up just like everybody else's service goes up. He's paying – he's using it more, but he's not getting more benefit out of it. He's just using it more. There's a difference there.
1: Yeah. What else can we say other than,
0: yeah? So this is an issue that I I love that that we have these conversations because they're different views – from different parts of the, the world uh, and even different parts of the country and even different parts of this show. Uh, so <laughs> everybody has different ideas about it. And Andrew comments on the pay by the bit idea uh, with an Australian point of view. He says, in Australia, we pay that by the bit and I greatly prefer it over pay for the pipe. I'm a relatively light user, maybe 15 gigs or so a month, uh, but I want speed when I do use it. When I game, I want a speedy, reliable connection, but I don't use it throughout the day. Paying by the bit provides a disincentive for people to download large things constantly, which means that I can pay for a large pipe, but I don't have to pay the same as people who torrent constantly. By paying by the bit and not by the pipe, I can get the benefits of statistical multiplexing, namely cheaper prices. Um, and generally, and there are generally two allocations of bits given to everyone, peak and off peak, usually, uh, 12 a.m. to 6 a.m. My internet slows to a crawl in the off peak as it is when everybody else hits the torrents. I would hate to have that 24 seven. As with any market, this relies on competition. The wires are essentially owned by the government and hired out to ISPs who put the hardware in the exchanges. So it's relatively cheap for an ISP to move into a new area. The comment has been repeatedly made that by paying by the bit, it is bad that you don't choose what you download. Here, if an ISP is screwing over uh, by faking bits, I can change ISPs. If they're not passing on the savings to me, I can change. I can you if you are stuck with Comcast because you're screwed no matter what the deal is. But personally, I prefer to pay by the bit. Uh, so, Andrew, I f- thank you for your comments. First off, I've thought about this a lot as we've discussed it. And I would be okay with the pay by the bit model if the if the price were reasonable like some hundredths of a penny per gigabit. Like, I want to pay um, $100 for a terabyte, something like that, because that's a reasonable um, amortization of what it costs to actually deliver me a bit. The trouble is where we do have pay for the bit is primarily in the mobile environment. In the U.S., we're sort of a split market. Uh, Your home uh, user is generally unlimited, quote, unquote, unlimited. uh, with, at a single rate, and your, your mel- cell is X amount of bits, uh, at a certain amount, and then you pay by the gigabits. So we, we have that sort of dual model, but what the ISPs charge per gigabit is ridiculous. Um, yeah. It's, it's 30 or $40 per gigabit, and, and that's just wrong. Uh, that, that is an ex, that's excessive. It's way more than it actually costs them to deliver me a gigabit of data. So, if the model were reasonable, I would have no problem with it. but since as Seth has already said reasonable and and um commerce in the u s don't often go together um i have to i have to worry that if we move to that model without the competition, as we've talked about before, and without the the i got no choice right if I want a cell phone in atlanta it's it's a t and t or verizon pretty much there's t maybe um, they, they have some, <laughs> some towers there and, and spit, uh, I mean, sprint, uh, will occasionally get a signal here and there, but pretty much by and large, it's two guys and you got to deal with those two guys. So that's not competition. That's, that's a, that's not a monopoly. It's a duopoly. It still isn't effective competition because they just divide the metropolitan area down the middle and they don't really care if I move from one to the other. It, nobody hurts them enough to make a right. move. So they can charge the exorbitant rates and they do.
2: And also, um, he talks about the competition they have there. Here in America, you, governments sell monopolies to geographic areas. And so, you know, like cable, which is a much faster connection possibility than DSL around here. Um, you know, you're, you're only allowed to have one cable player in the marketplace. And yeah. so, there's no competition there. They're, you know, again, well, anyway, you know, I just hate the fact that they are using, that they are so greedy beyond making a reasonable profit and then trying to pass themselves off as free enterprise, uh, you know, capitalist. Whenever they're not, they're greedy SOBs that um are out to rake the consumer for everything they can get. And so consequently, because they're doing that, whichever system comes up is going to be bad for the consumer. Whereas if, if they cared about the consumer, then whichever system wouldn't matter because both of them would be good. But it's just, you know, you you can either take one big hit from this way or you can take two hits from this other way. Either way, it's going to hurt.
0: Yeah, and I forget the the name, but we had a listener a while back from the UK that said there's there's tons of of competition there, but it's false competition because they're all essentially buying from the government, right? Mm-hmm. So the rates are the same because the government sets them. That's not competition. That's that's federally owned uh, uh, connections. So it it's there as far as I know. There's nobody in the world that has a system that is actually based on what it costs to deliver a product. And if it costs a lot, charge me a lot. I, I get that. But it doesn't cost more. See, here's what bothers me. It doesn't cost more to deliver me more bits. It just doesn't. It costs to run stuff to my house, and it costs to give them to me at a certain rate. But it doesn't cost more for me to trickle bits 24-7 or or download a chunk of bits at a, in 1 second the, the the more bits doesn't matter it's right. it's we're charging for something that is essentially free and infinite uh, but it's the only measure that we have and that's the issue i mean yeah. in like for electrons for de- for delivering my electricity there is a generation cost for every electron you generate there's a fixed cost that makes sense who generates bits it's not ISPs So they're they're a transit, they're a conduit charging for a product that they don't create. Somebody else creates the bits, pass them through the ISP, and the ISP charges for them as if they made them, but they didn't. That's the problem with the the pay-by-the-bit model.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm sorry. This is a good discussion. I get a little passionate about it, Uh, and I want you guys to keep writing in because I love hearing from from different uh, viewpoints. Um, You're all wrong, and I'm right, but that's fine. (laughs) You're allowed to be wrong. I don't have an issue with that. Yeah, Um, everyone
1: can be wrong in one way or another.
0: (laughs) Speaking of wrong, Microsoft is usually wrong. Uh, And once again, we have a story about how they're wrong.
2: Well, um, yeah, this is, you know, back in the day, um, whenever Microsoft uh, basically... Realized their browser was garbage and couldn't compete with anybody. <laughs> um, They said, hey, I know we'll kind of we'll quote unquote bundle this in with the operating system and give it away. And, you know, the EU said "Um, what you're doing is wrong. So in 2009, Microsoft settled with the EU to put a uh, browser ballot um, on their thing. And, you know, and and they couldn't like make IE real big and all the other small. So it was equal. They had to be equal size and they couldn't be like prominently placed. Um. And that was supposed to last for five years. Well, the um, the ba- the browser ballot has expired from the EU, and um, so basically Microsoft can go back to just IE. And this was one of the things when it first happened. Um, there was kind of a bump in some of the other browsers, but studies have shown that it really has done nothing to kind of influence choice. You know, people okay. just take IE, or you know, they'll. People who don't want IE know to go get something else. It's like there's not many people left out there that goes, what's a browser? And ooh, I think that fox is cuter than that E. Uh, or, or <laughs> that Simon says looks kind of like a bullseye. I'm going to click it. Everybody knows what they like now. And so <laughs> Simon you
0: know. says, I just got that because <laughs> Google really does look like Simon says, like the old game.
2: Right. Yeah. So Simon says pick Chrome. <laughs> Um, uh, but yeah, so, you know, now you know what you like and there's so many, um, browser browser. There's only, I don't know if there's any browser virgins left out there who have no clue what it is. Right. You know, even two and three year olds know what a browser is. So it, it's over now. Microsoft can go back to uh, just plugging along at Windows. and So IE.
0: users with a European IP address look for a service pack update soon <laughs> or a, a support update. Hey, the The issue with that whole thing, A, it was stupid. B, it was dumb. Uh, and C, um, <laughs> they always included IE plus something else. So it was a random selection of something else plus IE. Um, and it didn't ma- It doesn't matter what you pick. You can make Firefox your default. You can make Chrome your default. You can make sleep near your default it doesn't matter if you try to update windows you're going to have to use ie so it really doesn't matter what you pick as your browser you're still going to use ie so it's got to be there and it's got to be somewhat prominent so the whole thing was smoke and mirrors and it didn't actually matter so the mirrors have faded and the smoke is dissipated
2: yeah well you know i don't know because especially with a seven if you went to the website it redirected you to the control panel windows update yeah. icon. So, you know, that was very true in XP. You know, you could update via the browser or you could go download all the updates individually as executables. Um, if you wanted to, but yeah, so you, especially with XP, you were using the browser, but you know, with later versions of windows, they, the browser would say, go to control panel and click windows update. So.
0: So before we go any further, Seth, I can't believe you don't have anything here about the Korean mo- Sony hack. Uh, we you know, have to it, talk about that.
2: Yeah, it was just it was so much. I figured, you know, what? What? I figured somebody would have talked about it already. And and plus, it happened so long ago. You know, like <laughs> had we done a show last week, I, I would have talked about it. But it just it was well, it's faded in memory. Should,
1: I think we should still talk about a little bit. Do you so, guys really think that it's North Korea that did it?
0: It doesn't matter if they really did. What matters is that they're getting the blame for it. I, I, you know, I'm watching. I'm at the donut shop this morning with my kids, and they have CNN, Fox, NBS, NBC, some garbage on the TV in the corner. It doesn't matter what it is; they're all the same station. Um, and they're talking about Obama's response to the Korean cyber terrorism attack. Um, and then and I thought, well, this—that is absurd. In every way, um, so Korea as a government may or may not have been involved. If they are, while wow, they have nothing better to do with their time, um, but even if they even if they were, can you really call stealing stuff off a of very insecure server cyber terrorism? So if I leave my front door open and a big welcome sign saying "Come steal my stuff" and you come in and do it, is that terrorism? Yes, it's illegal. It was theft. I'm not defending that, but it sure as heck ain't terrorism. Sony had the worst security ever. Right. They had files called on the desktop text files called passwords.txt
1: or uh, corporate login for the different YouTube <laughs> yeah. accounts.
0: And and so this well, this was not terrorism. This and you know Obama is expected to make a speech about it, or maybe already has. I don't know. What the heck um and then you know movies pulled the the interview movie movie theaters pulled that and people were blaming that on the cyber terror no that wasn't it there was another group of people maybe the same group i don't know said if you play this movie we will blow up your theater well if i own a theater i'm not going to show the movie
1: contract or not
0: if you threaten to blow me up i'm going to say okay (laughs) i'm okay with that
1: well and i i was going to say something else you know isn't Sony isn't technically a U.S. Exactly. site. I mean, they're a
2: – aren't they, like, I want to say Chinese? No, Sony is Japanese, but Japanese. Sony Pictures, it, they're based – they're like a U.S. division of right. an overall Japanese company. Right. Right. Yeah, It's a so,
1: U.S. division of a foreign company. Yeah. Because if Sony is based in, like, oh, like you just said, Japan. So –
0: and one of my favorite responses was the Alamo draft, draft House in uh um San Antonio I believe it was. Uh instead of showing the interview showed Team America World Police uh, in <laughs> which one Kim Jong Il gets blown up in the movie. So one of the funniest movies
2: ever. It's also one of the filthiest. <laughs> yeah. But it's so funny. I've never oh, seen it. Oh, it is it's awesome. I well you probably you would not like it nearly <laughs> as much as i do um but yes i love that movie well and you know and, and here's the thing what can our response be to north korea we could take out their uh, internet infrastructure if they had any, we could destroy their so North Korea um, has a huge yeah, yeah North Indian Korea. We, we could take out their internet. If they had it, we could take out their power generation facilities. If they had it, <laughs> we could take out their commerce. If they had it, we could take out their industrial and farming capacities. If they, what can we do to them? You know, it's we can like, make speeches. That's what we can do. Golly, man, that's going to tear them up. They're going to, they're going <laughs> to, there's just, there's nothing we can do to them because they don't have anything because they're, they dictators care more about, you know, well, anyway, uh, that's on everyday politics. So. President Obama will
0: stand behind the teleprompter and that will show Kim Jong-un that's what's right. for. Um, it just, it was, we, you know, like I said, we weren't on the show last week. It was sort of breaking two weeks ago and we missed it cause we record on Sundays, um, so it's gone on two weeks, and you're right, Seth. It's been covered to death. But I, the reaction is what what I wanted to get is is not there's you're not going to get any news here, right? But come on, this is ridiculous. This is news cycle. This is all it is. This is El Nino 2014. That yeah. the news ah, people needed go. something. Um, they couldn't blame the economy uh, anymore because Christmas sales are actually doing pretty well. Um, you, you, the, the government pretty well shuts down politically this time of year. So they didn't have that. This was just something to seize on. And I mean, like CNN is like preempting shows to do 24 hour coverage of people talking about this, but that's not even coverage. That's discussion.
1: Yeah. And it's not even very accurate talking either from what I've been noticing.
2: It
0: just, it's, it's a tech story. That's not a tech story.
2: Yeah, yeah, American uh, politics, there's not a lot of accuracy involved ever, Chris. <laughs> yeah. You should have figured I that out. I know,
1: but I mean, what <laughs> bothers me is I hear people talking about it and it's like, oh, it's so horrible, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, that doesn't sound anything like what I've been reading <laughs> on all the tech journals. So, uh, hmm. Well anyway and you know
2: the the facts take a back seat to people's opinions and reactions to the facts. You have like oh, yeah. when a story breaks you have an initial half second to put out all the relevant facts. Once once that half second is passed It's moved on to discussion and people's reactions to the facts. You know, like a story could break now saying that Obama is a white man in makeup. And then there would be so much (laughs) reaction to that. Two days later, it could come out that it was a hoax, but nobody would care because the story is no longer Obama's a white man in makeup. And it's gone on to society's reaction to the story of Obama being a white man in makeup. And, you know, unfortunately... That's that's the sad state, the ADD Twitterization of American politics.
0: Yeah. So during the the that f- flight that went missing in the summer, that was a big deal. I was watching. I was at a restaurant and CNN was on because otherwise I wouldn't be watching it. And the little crawl at the lower third said literally breaking. What do you think? What? How is that breaking news? And so they were soliciting people to tweet a hashtag with their responses. But that's breaking news. Breaking. Wow. You know what's breaking news? Hackers blowing up a freaking steel plant. That's breaking news.
2: Yeah. Yeah, this uh this actually happened um in Germany in a German steel factory. Um hackers seized control of the networks to such an extent they were able to prevent one of the uh, blast furnaces from shutting down correctly and controlled so therefore you know it generated a lot of damage to the um to the facility so as opposed you know and it's not like they didn't have the ability to go up and emergency shut down but emergency shutdowns or for emergencies you know if you do it's like that emergency brake on your car that's not something you're supposed to use all the time it's for emergencies (laughs) it can have bad consequences to use it as a regular braking thing so um and there's Anyway, you know what happens just, if
0: you hit the emergency brake at speed? You do an uncontrolled 360.
2: Yep. Not a good thing yep. to do. I know so, that from personal experience. But, you know, if it's doing uncontrolled 360 or run or off a bridge yeah. head on, you know, I'll take my chances with the 360. So, hence the emergency brake. Well, and that's what happened here. In some of the... um comments in this were really cool um because you know of course you have the smart alex well is there any reason these systems were networked in the first place and somehow a rational thought person got on there Uh-oh. and it talked about how yes because you don't want to walk up to a blast furnace to take the temperature whenever you can have it <laughs> sit halfway across the plant to you safely of your control room um you know things like that and it's just one of those cases where there's an internal network and an external network and somewhere there's one computer that rides them both right and once you hit that computer then boom you've penetrated to the second network um Hey, Harry,
0: put on your space suit and go stick a thermometer in the furnace and see how it's doing. Just stand there for the next eight hours. That's your shift today.
2: (laughs) Yeah. You know. And so anyway, it was just, you know, a lot, you know, hacking is in the news now thanks to North Korea and their brilliant penetration. Um, you know, and here's just the thing where this wasn't just secrets being lost. This was physical damage done to a facility because of because of it you know and one they were talking about how it looks like the guy got in there knew what they were doing but imagine somebody who didn't know what they were doing gaining control Ooh, what happens if i send this command yeah. you know what happens if i send that or what happens if i stop all traffic from here you know so here's a case where you know it's not just oh my gosh somebody thinks that cha- that t- um you know matthew mcconaughey's ugly. You know, ooh, Sony's in trouble because some, you know, some stupid like that. This is real-world uh, damage and real-world issues. Um, so hacking is unfortunately we're to the network point. I don't know that unfortunately is the right word there, but computers and networking has penetrated our society to such a large part. It's not just data; it's physical um, buildings are at risk from hacking now
0: true but if you want to do some good things with that uh uh, internet power even at this late hour december 24th when this show comes out you can still buy your loved one a steam game because they be having a sale
2: oh
1: yes
2: yeah you know i mean i just had to mention it and the steam sale lasts until 10 a.m pacific time january 2nd uh you know different offers they have different movies at different times so yeah if you're if you're big on steam and gaming check them out their winter sale is going on and you know when they do these big sales they they do a sale on it yeah yeah
1: and what the nice thing is too is you should check back every so often because they rotate the sales so uh, like for example right now we have five hours until the next rollover um right. so oh where's one of the ones i was looking at and i missed it and i would shot myself in the. i was really upset because I missed it. There was a game, the new Borderlands, um, came out and it's it was it's 60 dollars retail and they had it for 90% off. This is a brand wow. new release and they chopped it 90%. But it was one of their flash deals where it's only good for 5 hours and then they put its bump back up now and I think it's 20% off. But it's well, uh, still
0: only 12 dollars. Or no, 20% off. No,
1: I'm sorry. Yeah, 20% off of 60. So it's, it, it's a lot, it's still cheap, but it was a whole lot cheaper. Yeah, it was six bucks. Yeah. Yeah, it was, you know, it was six bucks or something like that. And, and I was like, oh, I should go get that. And then I, and real life happened. And then I came back to buy it and went, oh, I missed the sale. Dang. Yeah.
2: Darn that real life. I know, man.
1: It just gets in the way. <laughs> But yeah, definitely go back and t- and take a look every couple of, you know, they usually the their daily sales rotate every twelve, and then they have flash sales that go on sporadically through the day. So if you're if you're a Steam player and you probably already know this if you're using Steam, but install the your cell phone app and watch it there because you'll catch those flash sales a whole lot faster.
0: Um and. In a disturbing trend, there may no longer be uh, a Linux distro for every neckbeard on the internet.
2: (gasps) Yes. um, Unfortunately, or fortunately, um, it seems like the number of Linux distributions, and we mean active distributions, is actually declining. So in 2011, the DistroWatch database peaked at 323 active distributions. Currently, however... There's only, only 285. So, you know, is this the slow death of a thousand cuts, um, of the Linux desktop? Because, you know, and the sad thing is there's a total of 791 distributions listed. So, and, you know, probably there's a couple of thousand others there because who knows whoever does that. But, you know, what this is a thing where I personally think this is a good thing for Linux. Because all of those distros had developers working on them. Maybe it was only one part-time developer or something like that. But when that distro goes away, that frees up manpower to make the surviving distros better. I don't think will ever... That
0: could be only one. Yes.
2: No, I don't think they'll ever just be one. But I think if we got down to double digits of distros, you know, I think those distros... They would all, they're all going quality because the pool of talent to draw developers from is stronger because it's not being diluted by this one good developer leaves this distro and go starts his own. Well, now that one good developer is back in the pool for one of the other distros to benefit from his work. Of so.
0: course, you know, to, some of these don't even count as distributions. Somebody changed the default wallpaper and called it a new distribution. You know, right. changed the icon theme set and it's a new distro. Um, so that's, that's in the, that's why only half of those are considered active. You know, the satanic Linux, (laughs) some guy just changed some wallpapers and icons and called it good. Um, that's actually a thing that Seth brought to the show one day.
2: Yeah, we were, coming. we were like the weirdest name Linux distros and, uh, but no, well, you know, but you think about Linux Mint. That's basically all it was when it first started out. It was yeah. like Ubuntu with a couple of stock changes you could easily make yourself, but it has since grown into a distro. Um, you know, so just because something starts out has, I'd rather have this wallpaper and I'm going to call it something else. Well, now that it's called something else, it will it'll either wither on the vine or it kind of grows its own trunk and becomes something new.
0: Now... Your thing about developers uh, atrophy or whatever, uh, thinning of the herd, if you're truly um, following the open source edict, any good change you make gets reported up the tree. So we're all benefiting from everybody's work in theory. Um, but what often, what we happen by even, you know, the big boys like Ubuntu, people complain that they're not contributing upstream. And so you do end up with these silos. But the open source model, the the GPL license, requires that you contribute things upstream. Um, And so, in theory, that should never happen. But in reality, it does.
2: Well, but, and suppose, you know, you have this main distro, and one guy splits it off to the left, and one guy splits it off to the right. Well, even if they both report back... Changes to one won't necessarily benefit changes to the other because what they're they're changing conflicting things. That's true. Or they're changing the same thing in conflicting ways, and so you know, or and you have it, then you get people, a left
0: twix right twix situation.
2: Right. Yeah. Or you have a hundred yeah. people reinventing the wheel every week, and you know, there's a reason yeah, you don't that. need to reinvent the wheel because it's already a wheel
0: and it works. And if you've <laughs> yes. got teeth in it, it's called a gear um yeah <laughs> you're you right and these you're right i see that all the time where the uh, you know LibreOffice and open office and and uh abby word are all struggling with the same problem why they shouldn't be they should they should all be working together on it so yeah i see your point
2: yeah and well you know and like i say it's one of those i hope i think it's a good thing you know if it gets down to only two or three linux distros then maybe we have a problem but in in I, you know, until we get down to the single digits, I'm really not worried about diversity in the Linux, um, distro world.
0: And if you want to contribute to that diversity in the Linux world, Linuxacademy.com is the place to go and learn how to do that. Uh, go to linuxacademy.com and it's your, your one stop shop for learning how to be to, to go from being a beginner to a Linux administrator by way of step by step video courses designed by people who know their stuff independently certified as being by people who know their stuff uh, you get the videos you get the, uh, the written word right along with it PDF study guides uh, online study guides as well uh, that are time coded to the videos so that you know that at this time you can scrub through there and you can look at that then you get this amazing learning uh, environment, this the lab platform that they've created. We can have up to four machines running simultaneously, vir, uh, virtual machines, eight different distributions to choose from. You can have four of them running simultaneously, interacting with each other in a safe way so that you don't bring down your corporate server on your lunch break when you are trying to experiment with something. <laughs> um, you've got uh, the lesson browser, which is just pick and choose what you want to do, and it'll track it for uh, a la carte learning. But real, the really, the power of it is in their, their learning plan, uh, where you can say, I want to learn to do X. And you look through the modules, and, and you'll have a module like, um, you know, ser- server administration or, or Linux basics. Or, you know, they have these things that the modules are courses broken down, uh, collections of lessons uh, in a right order with tests and with labs all put together and this learning plan lets you say i want to do this 3 hours a day 3 days a week uh and this is what i want to learn and the system will based on your input uh put together a learning plan for you and say that on monday uh you should do in your 3 hours you should do these three lessons you should take this test you should do this lab um and then it'll even send you an email saying this is what's to due today so it's like your pr- private um uh, uh, tutor helping you learn things as you go um and it's all automatic and it's all it's amazingly cheap. I hate to use the word cheap because cheap denotes low quality, but this is high quality and inexpensive. What's a word for that? I, I don't know. Low quality and inexpensive is called cheap. There's not a word in the English language because it's so rare for something to be both high quality and inexpensive. We don't even have a w have a word for it. You know what that word is? That word is LinuxAcademy.com because you get their uh, their basic service is only twenty five dollars a month. So for $25, you get all this awesomeness that I've talked about, but that's the most you'll pay because if you want to buy for a quarter, three months' worth, it drops down to $20 a month. Or if you want to buy annually, it's only $199, which is less than $17 a month. You will not find this quality of learning at this price anywhere on the internet, period, end of sentence. LinuxAcademy.com. Use the code EverydayLinux when you sign up to let them know that we sent you.
2: You know, and if you know somebody who – likes computers and they keep thinking, man, I wish I could get a job in the computer field that would be a great Christmas present. Buy them a one-month subscription to linuxacademy.com. And, you know, especially if there's somebody who is in school or college, you know, they're on a break now, they would have time. And in that one month, they would either say, hey, this isn't as tough as I thought it was. I think I can do this. Or they can go in there and go, you know, that's not for me. I just like do kind of tinkering on the side. But, you know, $25 is a cheap Christmas gift these days. And the return on that investment, You know, you can get a career, and there's tons of six-figure jobs, not entry-level jobs, but tons of six-figure jobs in computer network administration.
0: Man, that's a good sales pitch, Seth. I wish I'd thought of it. LinuxAcademy.com for a Christmas present. Great idea.
1: Yeah, it's an awesome idea. That's definitely one of those things that every geek or every nerd or any Linux guy would enjoy having, even if they're a command-line godfather or a gooey kid. I I can't think of a better
2: Christmas gift because it's better than a book. I don't know. I've read some great books. But no, um, <laughs>
1: it, it's well, really Well, it, on this subject, if you know what I mean. Yeah, the,
2: the great thing about it is you don't have to be somebody who already knows their stuff you like, well, man, all I ever do is I go and I watch YouTube videos, you know, or, you know, hunt for stuff on Google. Well, one of the first lessons tells you about this utility called Putty. And if you don't know what Putty is, they tell you what it is and where to get it and how to use it. And you are remoting into your Linux machines to perform basic administrative functions that's one of the first you're like i don't know how to do that that's less than one so they're not teaching you how to you know access the terminal and do a shutdown when four different systems are hung they're like hey this is just how you log in and um it goes from there and the lessons build. So if you know how to watch YouTube, you know how to do these. And they teach you everything you need to know from there and give you the place to practice. If you don't have 15 supercomputers lying around that you can hun- do hundreds of VMs, you know, you can VM on the cloud. So you've got to have a decent internet connection. You probably wouldn't work over dial up. Um <laughs> not well.
1: Well, if you're if you're doing terminal it would Cause then you're just yeah. sending back and forth terminal commands. So terminal, you, you could even do this, you know, some of this learning over dial up. So, uh, why not?
2: Nah, he, I wouldn't want to try this over dial up
0: because even the you're watching lover the that I am when and putty is in my toolkit because it's amazing. Yep. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're so you know what somebody tools. might think is a good Christmas present next year? Wow, this is a terrible transition. A phone running Ubuntu Touch.
2: Well, it will be out in time for Valentine's Day. Um, You know, we've... We've talked about Ubuntu Touch, it's been announced, it's been developed, it's been released, it's been everything. Well, we're it's fine- been touched. <laughs> yes, we're finally going to add it will be available to actually purchase. Um BQ is the name of the company. They're Aquarius E4.5. Um they will be releasing these in February. Now, they will be based in Europe, but there's nothing that says you couldn't go to the website and buy it for American Uh, to work on American carriers because there shouldn't be anything locking them out. Now this isn't, uh, you know, they're not going to compete with the iPhone or the latest note 27 or whatever it will be by then, but you're getting a good mid quality phone, um, running Ubuntu. So running Linux rather than iOS or Android or Firefox or Tizen or Selfish <laughs> or Windows or any other thing. So, you know, they're finally bringing some good choice to the mobile sphere. Um, but, anyway, it's coming in February.
0: I'll be honest with you. I would like to have an, Andro- uh, an Ubuntu phone or not an Ubuntu, but a Linux phone. And if it happens to be Ubuntu, that's fine. Uh, I just think that would be cool to be able to run any, well, within, within reason, any Linux app uh, or, right. s- uh, on my phone, right? So um, I'm probably not going to be able to fire up um, Blender on it and go to town just because it's it's a a, a f- five, gig, uh, five twelve megs of RAM or something like that. Uh, actually, up to eight gigs of RAM. Wow. Um, so uh, that's yeah. I, I'm I'm excited, a little. I'm excited is not the right word. My interest is peaked about having a phone that runs linux um and and yes don't say it stop writing that email right now yes i know you can run linux on phones right now but it's not a linux designed for phones that's the difference this is a whole interface a whole operating system designed to be used on a small touch screen interface that has my interest peaked
1: yeah my interest would be more peaked if uh i could pick myself up a firefox os phone um, I'm more in, I'm more in the, inclined to pick up one of those than an Ubuntu phone.
0: Right now, you can't get any of them.
1: Yeah, <clears> I know. <throat> Speaking of phones, no. though, Mark, did you get your OnePlus One?
0: Um, uh, well,
1: <coughs> or is that a touchy uh, subject?
0: Um, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna have to whisper quietly here. By the time <gasps> this show comes out, um, it'll be okay. But right now, it's not okay. That phone was actually ah. for my wife. Purchased it ah. for her for Christmas, but yes, I did. Um, they had a brief, <coughs> excuse me, they had a brief sale. I'm literally whispering so that she doesn't hear me. Uh, they had a brief <laughs> sale where they, uh, um, you could get it without invitation. And thanks to the awesome guys in the uh, Google Plus community, uh, like six people sent me messages and emails saying, "Do it now." <coughs> so I did. <coughs> excuse me, and I went and bought my wife. Uh, a OnePlus One. She's currently rocking a uh, Galaxy S3 that's a few years old, Um and it's, you know, it's aging out. So uh, I have a friend at work who had a OnePlus One, and I got to touch it and play with it, and and uh, I feel that she will like it, so I bought it for her, and it, yes, it's upstairs. It has been unopened, and that's required the some of the greatest self-restraint of my life <laughs> to not open this phone that's been sitting in my drawer upstairs for almost a week now.
1: I was surprised. Wow. I only got one with uh, the fact that you know the One Plus One, such supposed to be a giant killer.
0: Um, <clears throat> well, the issue is that it's even at a re- reasonable. I, I can raise my voice now. Even at a low price, it's still three hundred fifty bucks. Uh, so, I, I wasn't in a position to spend seven hundred dollars on two phones yet. My birthday <laughs> is right around the corner.
1: There you go. <laughs> But you know even then that's still pretty cheap for a phone that is at that spec. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah, for the for the for the the flagship killer that this is with the with the specs it has and the processor and um and again I got to experience it, I got to play with it uh and it is a very well-designed piece of uh hardware uh running a proven OS. It's running uh, uh CyanogenMod 11 um uh, which is, you know, people have been banging on CyanogenMod. I've run CyanogenMod on my uh, Nexus 5. It's a great um <clears throat> Contributor to the uh, to the Android environment ecosystem, uh, so yeah, I, I felt no problems about giving it to my relatively non techy wife and saying, "Here is your daily driver."
1: Yeah, I am. I want one. <laughs> I want one so bad it's sickening.
0: <laughs> well, since I am a purchaser, um, when they have stock available, they'll be sending me an invite. I'll make sure that you get one.
1: Oh, if yeah. you are ready
0: to purchase, because usually you got like twenty four hours, so you are right. ready to pull the trigger.
1: Yeah, call me first or something before you just send me that invite. Because otherwise, it might go to waste.
0: Yeah, because they the whole the whole people have complained mightily about the invite system, but it serves two purposes. One, it generates interest, and two, it controls the flow of inventory. They don't want to have stuff on back order. That's essentially what they're doing now. Everybody who wants a phone but can't get an invite, that's back ordered. And uh if you go and you put your phone down, specific, especially sites that take your money first and then back order, which is not uncommon, uh, people would be angry about it. The, I've had my phone on back order for six months now. They would be mad about that. I've been right. trying to get an invite for six months. That they're a little less mad about that, because then it's just well, I wasn't lucky enough to get one. But I right. plunked down my credit card, I bought the dang thing, and I still don't have it after six months. That makes people mad. So in that way, I really think the invite system works well.
1: Right, which is why I, I've never jumped up and down and screamed about it. But man I I me want one bad. <laughs> That's all I can say. <laughs> Are you gonna
2: live, Mark? I mean
0: I don't know. Suddenly my throat has just exploded on me and I'm coughing and <clears throat> I'm I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna pull through. I hope so. I As hope we only so. have one more story to talk about. And that is a German researcher who discovered flaws in cellular communications that could let anyone listen in on your calls. That's a bad thing.
2: Yes. And Absolutely. one thing I did not realize, um, this underlying cell protocol is called SS7 because it's the seventh iteration of this, has been around since the 80s. So here it is, 2014. Do you
0: know our, WD-40 got its name because he tried 39 versions tr- first? Right. Hi. Sorry. Yeah,
2: no, but yeah, no, I'm just saying, you know, here it is, 2014 and all these things that you can do on phones. It's, it's communicating been around for the eighties. Yeah. Over <laughs> something for, so, you know, how big was security back in the eighties? Non-existent. And right. so, um, this article is really cool because it goes in and it talks about some of the ways. And if you think about, um, cell phone providers, has a, um, has a downtown. And so, you know, let's say that Verizon and AT&T are next door neighbors. Well, Verizon has gone through the trouble to lock and secure every door that opens to the street and secure every parking garage and that would lead to their building. You can't get in without security. There's armed guards ready to kill you if you try. However, the walkway that goes across the street to the building next door is open and anybody can walk in and out of it, and because of the nature of cell phones, you're driving down the highway and you hop from this tower to that tower to this other tower. They might not all be owned by the same company. That's the way cell phones work. And so, and because of these, uh, and they did some tests with this uh, German senator who's like, "Yes, you know, I test with my phone, see if you can do this." And so, somebody in Germany could, or you know, any country outside of America could theoretically listen in and download and store your cellular communication, be that uh, mobile text or data. Now, if it's encrypted... They might get the encryption and they might not be able to break the encryption, but they could be able to know, hey, this guy's driving down I-10 between San Antonio and El Paso. And he seems to be going about 90 miles an hour based on how fast he's hopping towers, Um, you know, and so something like that. And there's just a bunch of different ways. And some of the things have kind of been locked down since they've reported some of these functions. But. It was just a very interesting story and I was like, Oh wow. It's just one of those things. Hey, if um you know, if you're putting it out in electronic form, you know, you shouldn't cry foul because there really is no security.
0: So this is essentially I'm breaking it down based on what I'm reading here, a man in the middle attack combined with an impersonation attack. So you can pretend to be an end end user device. I'm your phone now. And I get anything destined to your phone, or you can pretend to be a tower, and now I get anything that your phone sends out to the tower. So it can be targeted, it can be specific, or it can be general, and you can just suck in whatever's available and see what happens. And you're right. Some of the data is encrypted, and you won't be able to do anything with that. But some of them... Lead with here's how to just dis- de me because well, it's intended to go to the
2: endpoint. But you can ask another company for temporary decryption keys for their software. So AT&T has this great, you know, let's say they have, uh, I don't know, a 2048 bit cipher that, you know, rotates every two seconds, something stupid like that. But, and, you know, Podunk ISP who has one tower that works half the time and they use a two bit cipher that, you know, they say, everybody, it's 10. You know, they say, hey, can you tell me your cipher? And they go, sure, no problem. Here it is. Uh, and this cipher is good for 10 <laughs> minutes. Uh, so, yes, they have this security. I only need five. Yes. They have this security, but part of this protocol is, hey, can you tell me your super secret security for a little bit? I'm having trouble downloading this stuff in your network. Oh, no problem. Here it is. Um, hey,
0: I need to borrow the master key to your garage. Is that okay? Sure, yeah. Come on in. Take oh. all my cars. Just leave the Rolls Royce alone.
2: Yeah. So, you know, it, and, but it's one, it's kind of, you know, and anybody who has been following security, computer security, you know, when, when they first networked computers together, nobody thought that, you know, but they were uh, just
0: to all, see if they could do it.
2: Yeah, yeah. All of these ports that are open, maybe we should think about closing them. Um, well, cellular. <clears throat> Uh, communications is in much the same way. And again, you have to have a lot of that give and take, because otherwise, if you're going down the highway, when you switch from an AT&T to a Sprint and you go in roaming mode, all of a sudden, your phone wouldn't work for 30 seconds while it syncs and, you know, acknowledges and gets the security. And by then, you've left that tower and gone back to AT&T. So all of a sudden, your phone didn't work for a minute because it was too secure. So there has to be some give and take, but they're using a system that was designed like thirty years ago to do that. So maybe uh, maybe they maybe it's time to upgrade and bring about SS eight signaling you know, system.
0: All those ads you hear about not dropping calls, that's how they don't drop calls.
2: Yep. <laughs> they make no it kidding. easier to
0: share your information. So that's how they don't drop calls.
2: Yeah. So, you know, it's not the sky is falling. It's just put another layer of tinfoil around yourself and we'll be good to go. Uh I, I just thought it was an interesting story and you know, Take the time and read this one. Um, it's a Washington Post, uh, write up. It was just, it was interesting. And now this so,
0: should not, I'm, I'm speaking partly out of turn here. I'm making an assumption. This should not affect doing things like electronic banking on your phone because you still have an SL, SSL encryption with that website between right. your device and the website. They could intercept your traffic just like anybody else on the internet could, but it's encrypted.
2: Yeah. And this you is know, text
0: messages and voice chat. Uh, chat.
2: Voice and also, like, um, Apple, you know, like if you're texting from one Apple phone to iMessage. another, iMessage is encrypted. So they'll get the uh, encrypted garbage, but they won't be able to decrypt that. They'll, they'll be able to say that looks like Apple encryption, you know, or right. that's garbage. So it's probably Apple. Um, <laughs> and, you know, as opposed, and by garbage, I mean, you know, the, Security will look like random gibberish right so that's what you meant that that's actually no there sure. was just a good Freudian slip, but that is what I meant so
0: I think Freud's slip was pink with doilies on it, but I'm not
2: sure,
1: and a yep. little bit of lace
0: so that's it for our news this week, <laughs> our comment this week, but we do have time for one this week in history
2: yes um November I'm sorry, December the eighteenth nineteen eighty seven Larry Wall releases the first version of Pearl. So, Pearl is still around and still in use today. It was released 1987, this week in history.
0: The language of the gods.
2: Yes. It's not as old as SS7.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Pearl is one of my favorite interpreted languages. (coughs) I'm sorry, I'm going to die right here on the podcast.
2: No, if I Mark, do, you
0: can't. One of you guys has to come edit it and publish it for me. <clears throat> so, <laughs> um, Perl, an interpreted language is one that is line by line goes through an interpreter and is turned into code, as opposed to a compiled language where all <clears> at <throat> once, excuse me, it's compiled and a and a binary blob is spit out. Um, BASIC is an interpreted language, Python is an interpreted language, JavaScript is an inti- interpreted language. Um, And I think it's the best way to code uh, because it makes it easier to find problems. Well, maybe it doesn't because you don't ever find it until that branch of code runs, whereas a compiler would find it. Just the way I code, I like interpreted languages. I'll leave it that way. And Perl's been around a long time. It's open source. It's the standard. And there's not a lot you can't do with it. It may not be pretty, but it'll work.
1: I've always been a big fan of Python, which is... A spiritual successor of Pearl.
0: Yeah, Python is, is still huge. I mean, Google, mm-hmm. everything you go to at Google ends at a .py address because they're huge on
2: Python.
1: Yeah, Python is, uh, I would say it's probably the second language of the gods maybe <laughs> because <laughs> it seems to be used everywhere. And it's fairly easy to read. So a layman can kind of look through it and kind of go, oh. oh, okay. It's really modular driven, so.
2: Oh, awesome. uh, one thing I forgot to share. Um, I got this email that the um, Hola tablet, Jala, um, the fundraising is finished and they raised one million eight hundred twenty-four thousand and fifty-five dollars.
0: One point so, eight million a nothing to sneeze at.
2: Nope. Um, I got the email from them. Uh, and that's actually the first Indiegogo thing I contributed, and so I got several messages throughout as they were nearing goals and stuff. And, so
0: you're gonna get one when they when they come you, out. Yes,
2: I, uh, awesome. yeah, I I paid for it and, uh, I will, you know, I'll use it for a week and set it with my other unused <laughs> tablets probably. Um,
0: the only, uh, crowdfunded thing I have done that has met, I've, I've funded several that didn't meet their goal was the Confury video. And I'm eagerly awaiting that. <laughs> Me They're too. Actually, there's going to be a, a VHS version of it. They're going to put it on VHS and send you a cassette. I'm super excited about that. It's going to be awesome, awesome, right?
1: The other one, the only other Kickstarter thing that I've ever done, I think it was Indiegogo, was the uh it's a, a mount for your cell phone that goes into the C D tray of your car. So instead of being <laughs> like instead of being a sticker on your windshield or the da- or the dash or something like that, it slides into the C D tray. Now, how <laughs> is that for cool?
0: That's a great idea. That's pretty it is. cool,
1: actually. And and I sponsored. I think I I, I sponsored like eighty dollars worth or something like that. So I'm going to get like two the double headed one or or two separate ones. I don't remember, but I'm I'm eagerly waiting for it because I just got an email saying that their boxing shipments up, so mine should be here soon. I'm I'm, I'm actually just giddy with wait. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And Seth's show closing spectacular this week is not a way to decrease your productivity, but to increase your karma.
2: Yes. uh, You know, it being the Christmas season and all, I wanted to do something out there that can actually help people. And this is ampleharvest.org. And their goal is to pair up gardeners with food pantries. You know, most food pantries are processed, canned type foods, and they very little in the way of a fresh produce and so this is a way for you know and most people who garden the things they garden they have too much of you know um, nobody uses that many tomatoes at that amount of time so um, this is a way you can take the fresh food that you have grown if you garden and give it to a local food pantry so you know you're not like boxing it up to ship it across the country they'll they'll say hey did you know there's a food pantry feet from your door and, uh, you know, and get you the contact information. So it's, it's more of a, it's a really cool way to kind of meet the need. You know, they're not really producing thing. They do take donations, but their thing is to get people who have stuff, uh, to people who need stuff and what a perfect use of the internet.
0: And while you were talking, I just donated a hundred dollars in the name of the Everyday Linux community. Oh, there Yay. you go. So you guys, I will uh, take that. <clears throat> the uh, Excuse me. The uh, December uh, thing, I, I, it w- there will be more than, than 100 probably because you guys have been really going gangbusters on Christmas shopping. Nice. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> but uh, that's, that's what we're doing for December already because it's a great idea. Giving people food is always a good idea. Yeah. Well, unless they're me and I'm at a buffet. Stop giving me food. But giving hungry people food to sustain themselves is always a good idea.
2: I like it. Yeah. And the cool thing about this is, you know, you, you know, like sometimes I give money to the people on the street who ask me, but a lot of times, you know, sometimes I think they're scamming me, but an organization, a relief organization they kinda of know the tricks and know how to weed out the the con artist. And right. so you aren't having to make the decision does this person deserve this food or are they just trying to be a lazy you know, to be lazy or do they have reasons they can't? So you are giving it to the organizations that have already been set up and put in place to address those needs.
0: Now just because I donated in your name doesn't mean you shouldn't go donate. Right. Just you know, this is not slacktivism territory. This is me believing in something and putting my money where my mouth is and challenging you to do the same. You don't want to donate to Ample Harvest, fine. <clears throat> Make one of your Christmas presents this year a donation to, to some good char- charity, whatever it is. Um, some place that know, won't
2: bombard you with emails, hopefully. Uh, but, yeah, that would
0: be awesome. But uh, do do good in the name of Linux. Definitely. Just do do good because you should forget in the name of linux just do, do good because you should
2: oh uh, that's catchy do good because you should there you go
0: um and that is our show our last show of the year well the next one will come out um
2: on the 31st after the new year on the no. 31st
0: <clears throat> so it's not our last show of the year we will have one more um but that's it for now uh seth chris as always Thanks for being a great uh, host. Uh, Thank you for being a great listener. And if you want to uh, contribute to the show in some way, uh, go to elementopi.com. Use the Contact Us button. Let us know what you think. Use the tip jar. Give us money. Um, Use the referral links. Give us money and get stuff. All kinds of ways that you can contribute. But basically, the best thing you can do is what you're already doing. Listen to the show tell others about it. Thank you and have a Merry Christmas and we will see you uh, in next week. But for now, that ends this episode of Everyday Nights. Mm -hmm.